Blog Talk Radio. Do you watch Fox News all day? Are you dizzy from conservative spin? Are you a birther or teabagger? You might be suffering from a condition called barachnophobia. If so, the only cure is Liberal Dan Radio. Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. Warning, Liberal Dan Radio is not a substitute for doctor's advice. Severe cases of barachnophobia may require psychiatric help. This may prove expensive if Republicans repeal health care. Listening to Liberal Dan Radio may cause you to embrace things like facts, logic, and reason. If these symptoms last for more than four hours, you have been cured. For more information, go to liberaldan.com. Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the West, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's area code 347-838-8368. That is area code 347-838-8368. You can also join in the chat room at uh, blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan. You can connect via the Skype button on that page. Or if you're listening after the live broadcast, you can leave your comments, questions, concerns, etc., over on the show thread at liberaldan.com. Got a lot of stuff to be talking about today. Uh, but first, as I like to almost every week, uh, start off the show with this week's headlines. In a 7-1 court ruling, the Supreme Court overturned the conviction of a black man where the prosecution had marked a letter B next to every potential black juror so that they would not get picked. The dissenting vote? Clarence Thomas. Go figure. Today is National Day to Raise Support for Missing Children. The hashtag used was Rock One Sock. Hashtag Rock One Sock. I really do not think the creators of the hashtag thought that one through. In entertainment news, while May the 4th might be Star Wars Day, today is actually the birthday of Star Wars, released on May 25th, 1977. It is also the anniversary of the day that I conceived my second son. You might not want to know. In other nerd news, Paramount has dropped their lawsuit against the fan filmmakers of Axanar, as I discussed last week. I guess my good wishes helped last week. Kapla, please don't sue me. And that was this week's headlines. So, got a lot of stuff to talk about today. The main topic of the show is going to be uh, jump the shark activism, but I do have some other things I want to discuss um, before we get to that topic. Now, one thing was, it was my birthday on Friday. I'm the big four zero now. And I guess that's big as redundant. I was big before then too. So I guess I'm just four zero now. And I was greeted by Mother Nature coming into my 40th birthday with a large rainstorm that, that caused a lot of areas to lose power, including my own neighborhood, we lost power before the rain started. And this is just not a surprising thing, actually, because it happens where a lot of times we will have rain showers coming in. And our power goes out before the rest of the, before the, rest of the West Bank. It's just ridiculous. And it took us a full eight hours to get power back. You know, we're not a third world country, but we are the redheaded stepchild. The what, Algiers, uh, Louisiana, uh, the West Bank part of New Orleans, that's on the west bank of the river, even though actually if you're traveling across the bridge to get from the east bank to the west bank, you're actually traveling from the west to the east. Go figure that one out. Um, and so the, it took them eight hours to get us our power back, which is ridiculous in and of itself. And I may have discussed this before, but I just want to bring it up again. The idea that when you have profit as a motivation to whether or not you're going to return power back on or not, it's not a good thing because you know, you, you, you'll focus on the areas where the most people are and you'll ignore 
the other areas if it's going to mean that you're going to have to pay overtime, which is why I've long advocated for the idea that power companies should not own the power grid. The municipalities or the state should own the infrastructure where power is delivered to houses. Now, then you could have other multiple people or companies that produce energy, they could then put power onto the grid and you could then buy it. And perhaps the people can compete or perhaps you might want to say, okay, well, I don't want, I want to choose a more, I want to choose more, I want to choose solar whenever possible. So I'm going to buy solar. Maybe it'll cost you more, but maybe you feel like buying solar is the right thing to do. So you're going to do that. So, to me, that's something that should, that should happen. I don't know if it will ever happen, but it's something that should happen. Um, it has happened, I think, in I think at least part of Texas has that, shockingly enough. Um, but I think it's something that's reasonable, that could be reasonably done nationwide. Just have the government run the infrastructure. You have power companies sell their and to sell energy over the grid, and they're good. Maybe even let's say. You know, you you have solar panels on your own house, and if you could push power back onto the grid yourself, maybe you could actually make money. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? Or you might be able to sell money back. You might be able to sell money to a reseller, sell power to a reseller, so you get extra money for the power you back up, you put back on the grid. They get it for they they basically resell it as to one centralized hub, so you don't have to worry about actually selling it yourself. They actually handle it for you. And they basically, you know, they put the meter on your house, um, whatever. I think it would be a, re- a reasonable idea. Um, yeah, there's, there's another case. Um, there was a, a Knoxville human trafficking sting operation. Two pastors, um, including a children's minister, uh, were arrested. Or 32 people were arrested, including two pastors. Um, they're being charged with human trafficking. Three-day investigation, the Tennessee Bureau investigation, and detectives from the Knoxville Police. 32 men and women were arrested on prostitution and human trafficking-related charges. Uh, you've had children's preachers. Um, <laughs> Pastor Jason Kennedy. I actually have a friend with that name. <laughs> Sorry I didn't read the damn name, the damn article when I shared it to Facebook. Um, second female was under 18, um, negotiated a hundred dollar fee for a half hour with sex with both females. So pretty sick and disgusting stuff going on over here. Yet these are the people who are suing the Obama administration. I think Tennessee is probably one of the states, um, because I think was it 19 states. Doing the Obama administration. I know Louisiana is over the bathroom law. I think it's the, I don't think it's the governor doing it. If it is the governor doing it, I'd be very upset that he's doing it. I think it's the, the attorney general who's doing it. And they're suing them over the trans bathroom laws or the trans bathroom regulations, basically saying you can lose school funding if you, do, if you deny trans folk of 11 states. To deny trans folks um, the ability to use the bathroom of the gender that they associate with, uh, as opposed to the bathroom of the gender that's on their birth certificate. And it's ridiculous because people have been using the bathrooms of the gender that they associate with for years. Nobody knew. Nobody cared. But now people are making it an issue. They are making this an issue. And it's, it's, you know, there's been a lot of great posts going on about this, you know, you know, about women who are more scared of creepy guys trying to check out your privates instead of people who are actually, um, you know, transgendered women using the women's bathroom. It's just, 
you know, people, there's such, I, I, I see such people are so angry and are just so, seem so, well, I'll just beat the crap out of the guy who walks into a women's room. Well, most men, people that identify as men aren't going to be walking. If they do walk into a women's room, there's going to be a problem because they're not going to be there for the right reason. But people who identify as women, a different story. And people who identify as women, from the conversations that I've had with trans folks on this issue, are more likely to get assaulted in a men's room if they're forced to use a men's room instead of the room restroom of the gender that they identify with. And in many states, you have trans panic, people who like get upset and concerned and angry over you know, trans people being around them. And oh, there it is, the state of Tennessee. Uh, anyway, they, 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 they actually assault and or uh, kill these people and use their transphobia as a defense. And it becomes successful. They either get lessened sentence. That's ridiculous. So, and yes, I, I did look up the lawsuit. And Tennessee, uh, the state that had these 32 preachers, are part of this lawsuit. It's just disgusting that they're going to, you know, they should be spending more time worrying about the actual predators and less time work worrying about the people who are not predators who they're, you know, afraid of. They're scared that they're going to be attacked. It's ridiculous. Anyway, so let's go ahead and I'll take, assuming, um, assuming Firefox lets me get back uh, to my page. There we go. I'm going to go ahead and take the first commercial break. Uh, we can come back and take your calls as well. Um, it's area code 347-838-8368. That is area code 347-838-8368. This is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out BudgetEars.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do. But BudgetEars is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out BudgetEars.com or go to YouTube.com slash BudgetEars and help make your trip the best it can be. BudgetEars.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. I am sick and tired of the propaganda in today's media. You know, we can't have a sane discussion about politics. Well, yes, you can, and it's on ROJS Radio Live with the girls, Monica RW, and Autumn S. I'm there every week when they discuss Michigan and national politics, job search, unemployment, and more from an independent laugh, sanity-based point of view. So, tune in. ROJS Radio Live, Saturdays and Sundays at 11 a.m. sharp here on the Blog Talk Radio Network. And welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's area code 347-838-8368. That is area code 347-838-8368. Or you can also join us in the chat room. Leave your questions, comments, and concerns there. So this show has kind of been a work in progress for a while. And... I, for the longest time, I was trying to think of a way to describe a phenomena 
that has that I've that I've been witnessing for a while now, but I couldn't think of a way um, to a give it a title because everything has to have a title, and b to make it so that it's clear what I am talking about, to make it sure that people understand what my criticism is so as to lessen the amount of people or criticism that I might get in return. Now, I'm going to get criticism. People are going to jump all over this because I'm jumping over a word that I've jumped on. This I've talked about one of these things before. Um, but anyway, so I wanted to take away there, there's, you know, and the best way I could think of describing this is, Gravity. Okay. Now, let's say the pendulum is swung one way into the one direction. Right? So, our, our country started off this pendulum in the one direction, the, in, a, in the wrong direction. When it came to things like rights for minorities, rights for women, etc. Now, when you release the pendulum and let it go, you will often see that it goes, you know, you'll often see, you always see that the pendulum, assuming nothing is obstructing it, will swing to the other side. Because gravity will take it, it'll pull, it, pull, it, pull the pendulum arm down, and it'll bring it back up. That is a natural thing in science. It's a natural thing in politics. When something bad is happening, the pendulum will swing back the other way um, to, you know, perhaps past the point where you might normally want it to be, uh, to be able to counteract the bad stuff that happened before. Um, use, for example, um, affirmative action, let's say. You know, the idea of affirmative action is you, you, you make up, you're, you're helping to make up for past injustices by giving people who's where those injustices harmed people, it's giving those people added help to where the pendulum in the middle would be nobody needs extra help because everyone's in the middle. So you kind of see, I hope you see where that's going. So the pendulum comes back past the middle to the point where you're, you're helping to eliminate the bad stuff that was initiated with the first lifting of the pendulum arm. Gravity brings it to the certain point, and then eventually it evens itself out at some point. So I am not being critical. I just want to be clear. I am not being critical of the pendulum swinging that other way. What I am being critical of is what I'm seeing is an artificial movement of the pendulum past where it should be to a ridiculous point. That's what I'm labeling jump the shark activism. Named after, if you watch Happy Days, and you know, if you don't watch Happy Days, you should know what that term is. If you don't know what the term is, and if you never watched Happy Days, there was a point in, I think it was the fourth season, where you, they, Fonzie goes to Hollywood, and it's starting to get kind of, you know, they're losing their touch. It, the show's becoming meh. And in order to impress his fans in Hollywood, uh, Fonzie decides that he is going to literally jump a shark on jet skis or on skis being pulled by Ron Howard's boat. So he jumps the shark. Everyone cheers. And, but everyone at home is just kind of like, that's just really stupid. Shark wasn't even in, like, the air or anything like that. It wasn't, like, trying to bite him. There just happened to be a shark in this circled area, and he jumped over it. He literally jumped the shark. So that's the point when shows are shown to be going bad. So to me, it's the point where activism goes too far. That's why I'm calling it jump the shark activism. So 
you know, and I'm happy that I name, was able to think of the name because, you know, I wanted it to be clever. But I also wanted something to be apt, to be something that could, you know, adequately describe what I feel. Because it basically does. It just, it, something goes too far. So, again, using that pendulum analogy, it, it, you didn't just let gravity take the pendulum to its natural position uh, of going past that equilibrium point and going to a point where, you know, it's reasonable. You're actually pulling that pendulum even further in an artificial way. So that's that's kind of where I'm at with the general idea of jump the shark activism. So what is, what are examples of jump the shark activism? Uh, one of them is using incorrect definitions. There's well, first and foremost, there's when you, when you have the topic of racism, and often when I'm debating conservatives, they tend to get confused with the idea of institutionalized racism versus dual racism. The case that I just spoke about earlier in the headlines, there is institutional racism that where you would have individuals on a prosecution seeking to prevent black jurors um, from serving on a jury because they felt that they would have a harder time convicting with black jurors. So that's, you know, that is the system in and of itself working to be racist. Now, and individuals can be responsible for promoting institutional racism like Clarence Thomas. He voted no. He voted to keep, he voted wrote, wrote against the majority. He dissented because he wants to keep the status quo, the, the system as it is, and the system as it is um, makes it harder for a black person to avoid jail time than it does for a white person. So, and you don't have to be white or not black to promote or perpetuate institutional racism. But the victims of institutional racism are typically only going to be of the oppressed class. So, but when you're talking about individual racism, anybody can be an individual racist. You can kill you can be a white person who kills a black person for, because they're black. That's a race racist. You can be a black person that kills a white person because that person's white. That's also racist. So, but not only sometimes do conservatives miss out on the idea that um, that there's a difference between institutional racism and regular racism. The individuals who you know, the academics who try and push certain ideas through and, and, and part of, you know, this, I was originally tempted to call my theory on what this stuff is more like academic activism or something like that. But I didn't want to criticize a- activism in academia because I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to criticize becoming more informed, becoming knowledgeable, but some of these things do come out of academia, but Others do not. So I didn't want to restrict it just to academia. I didn't want to, ins- I didn't want to imply that I was a, like being sometimes what conservatives do, and they, you know, try and insult, you know, oh, they're a liberal arts college. It's a bad thing. They're they're learning these liberal things in school. So there's the idea that you know that I've I've had this debate with people before as well, where where they say black people can't be racist. That's all. Now. A white person may not be as likely to be impacted or likely wouldn't be impacted by institutional racism because, again, institutional racism typically affects the oppressed classes. But a white person can absolutely be a victim of racism if the black person decides that he's going to kill that white person for the civic reason that that person is white. So... 
the idea that only white people can be racist and black people can't be racist is, to me, very absurd. And it's one of the examples of jump the shark activism. And I'll get to you, caller, in a second. Um, another, you know, you know, incorrect labeling of racism to me is also an example, can be an example of jump the shark activism, where there was a case of the individual who was a rodeo clown. And I've talked about, I've talked about this one on the show before. And a guy who was a rodeo clown, he put on an Obama mask, and people went nuts because this was a supposedly a racist thing to do. No. This same guy wore a Bush a W mask when George W. Bush was president. He wore a Clinton mask when Clinton was president, etc. I don't know how long he'd be working rodeo clown, but I would assume that he would wear a George H.W. Bush shirt or mask. If he when he was president, and if he was being a rodeo clown when Ronald Reagan was president, I'm sure he'd wear a Reagan mask too. So this guy wasn't doing it out of racism; he was doing it because he's a rodeo clown, and it's their job to be goofy. And part of his act is wearing the mask, American mask of the current president, the current sitting president. So, but people tried to sit and claim that it was racism because, oh, he's wearing a black mask; it must be racist. Now, there's a huge difference between wearing a mask that you can get at Party City and putting yourself up in blackface, two completely different things. But the people who were criticizing this rodeo clown were pretty much trying to equate that they were the same, and they're not. And so when you do things like that, to me, it's jump the shark activism. And now I think we have one of our show friends on the line. How are you doing tonight? Doing all right, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. Um, what do you have to? Uh, you want to jump in on well, the jump the shark activism? Yeah, uh, because I mean it's a good conversation to have, and there's going to be some some points I think that are going to weigh out as true that people overreacted or criticized something or looked into something way deeper than what it was, and there's going to be some times to where they were actually correct. So, I mean, that's that's just kind of how it goes. So you kind of got to filter through all of it. But uh, the point you're making about the rodeo clown, I would, I would add for an example, uh, when Obama was elected in 08, uh, overseas, they used to, when they, when they used to protest, like the world trade and, you know, all those different people, they would hang the president in effigy. But right. when it was Obama, they decided not to do it just because of historical precedent, and they knew how it, how it w- would be viewed, just kind of the optics of it. So with the rodeo clown thing, I think it's a, it's a similar thing. If people don't know that that person's history is, they do that to everybody, the first time they see it in that fashion, they would assume like, oh, whoa, you know what I mean? You're going off a long legacy here, and you know what I mean? Sure. They're expecting that guy to be a certain thing. So. If they look more into it and see that, okay, he did that to everybody, then, you know, it should be no problem. But asking the question in the beginning, I, I, I think is not only fair, I think that's the right thing to do. Uh, well, the other there's, part, there's, there's, so, one thing, there's one thing that, you know, a lot of times today, like you'll see stuff, like you'll see something on Facebook, and it just gets shared and shared and shared and shared and shared. And people will share it without actually looking it up. They'll look at it and be like, wow, is this really the case? They won't bother to fact check themselves. They'll be like, oh, it's shared. Let me share it again. And, and the old saying, a lie travels around halfway around the world before the truth gets up. So to me, I mean, looking into and asking a question, there's no problem with that. And I don't even, you know, and I don't necessarily have a problem with, you know, looking at something or like, well, wait a second, what did he mean by that? I mean, I'm not necessarily saying that you should always assume good faith, but I mean, try to when, when possible, but when you're, when you have a situation like that and you don't know anything else other than the fact that here's the guy wearing an, uh, uh, an Obama mask, you know, in, at a rodeo, and people are going, hmm, rodeos tend to be more rednecks at rodeos, so it's got to be racist. But, you know, if they would have just taken the time to, to, to just wait and not just be so quick to, to tar and feather the guy, they might have realized, okay, you know what, you know, we took some due diligence, we investigated it, we found out that it really wasn't racism. So, hey, good thing we didn't try and label this guy as a racist. Um, 
One thing that, yeah, like, but, but 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 hold on, no man, because you're gonna make me lose my train of thought on the other things okay. you brought up. And I was trying to get sure. uh, like the, the other thing you brought up when you, when, when you start talking about racism and bigotry, th- these are two totally different things, and it it just it, it it becomes a hard conversation to have when people are more concerned with who can be called a racist than they actually are what racism is and how it affects people. And I've I've found that the emotional attachment to people looking for, well, what about this? This this case of reverse racism in the midst of uh, we see the rise of Donald Trump. We see, uh, you know, the, the rise of police shootings and, and misconduct and all these things that are going on, health disparities, economic disparities, all these different things that are going on and the concern for if somebody might be called a bad name it is it, so under the radar, but as as far as racism, yeah, you're right. It, it requires a system, and not only that, it requires power. So the function of power that black people don't have, uh, for the most part, uh, it's very difficult for somebody to be a black racist. It's possible, but the chances of it happening are going to be so slight and small that not only is it going to be a, a single singular incident, but it ain't going to go on long. I promise you that. Some black person abusing their power against white people uh, is well, not going to be holding that position of power very long. Well, see, so that's why systemic I, that's why racism, I kind of... who, who, can, who can hire and fire, who can uh, incarcerate, who can decide, you know what I mean, uh, the, the wages of one group and where a group lives, uh, how much rent you're going to pay. Uh, you know, we just had all of these different lawsuits come out. We had the one with the banks to where there were – calling so-called ghetto loans, giving people different, uh, you know, mortgage rates. We had the, the, the car, ma- the, the auto, auto manufacturer who was giving uh, black people and Latino people different rates for how much they would pay for their car. Like right. all of these yeah, things that. are going on in the midst of these conversations. Right. And, and, and that's why I made it a very, that's why I made it a point to say that there's a difference between you know, institutional racism, which, which I think all of those things that you brought up there are all institutional things. They're all they're all things that it doesn't necessarily need to have a white person at the helm, you know, who's who's controlling. Yeah, you, know, you can be uh, a black police officer, for example, and help to uh, perpetuate the systemic racism that exists in police departments. You can be a black judge and help uh, perpetuate a system of, you know, what happened in Baltimore earlier this week with the ruling. That you know you you can rule against somebody whose activities were questionable, and they got away you know after the death of Freddie Gray, specifically you know and, you know people are trying to say hey this is the racist guy that put him away it's it's a black guy well doesn't matter who it is it matters that the system isn't the system of in and of itself has power and and just because somebody you know is white or black or whatever in that system if you're perpetuating the system that system still hurts oppressed cultures much more than it will ever hurt somebody who is not in an oppressed culture. So in that, so in, in, in a conversation of, of systemic and institutional racism, absolutely. Only, only minorities, only, only oppressed classes are going to be affected by that institutional racism because by default, if you have an institutional situational racism, you're going to be elevating other people artificially and those people are the people that are not oppressed class, in the oppressed class. Um, and then yeah, you, start getting into, you start getting into intersectionalism and you start, okay, well, you know, okay, the, the white, you know, the, the cisgendered heterosexual white male is going to be the person who's all the way at the top. And then it's going to trickle down as you gain um, pieces of oppressed culture into your DNA. Um, but that to me, that still doesn't necessarily mean that, um, you know, I, I kind of, you know, sometimes I like to go back. A lot of times Chris Rock has some good things to say. And when, when Chris Rock's talking about the most racist yeah. person he you knows, it's, it's the old black man. Cracker, uh, cracker. You know. Well, that, uh, Chris, so, so, look, Chris so, Rock is a comedian. I, I, I know, I'm a comedian, but I mean, but I mean now the effect really of would. an individual who is, a, who is a black person who might hate white people is unless they're actually, you know, killing people because they're white. You know, the effect that it has on white people is is you know, going to be negligible 
comparatively to the reverse roles, and that's true. But, that, but that, I that's why we're talking about bigotry at that point. We're not talking about racism. We're talking about a singular act by a person who can't really affect groups, who can affect a singular person in their interaction. And usually that black bigot who hates white people is going to die early from bitterness, anger, and high blood pressure and everything else, uh, you know, that ails them. So a black bigot, possible, and, and happens all the time. But a black racist, uh, like, I, I, just don't, I just don't think it, it pans out when you really start to look at it. I, I just, I just, I don't know, I, I still will just go back to the point where I kind of just have to disagree with that. In, in the fact that individual-related racism doesn't require power, but institutional racism does. That that's kind of where right. I rest on. But I'm saying that's why we're talking about two different words and meanings because these things, like the idea. But like for example, like like is, racism is specific is specifically bigotry based on race. So so if I don't if you're Donald let's say if you're like Donald this. Trump, let's wait if you're if you're Donald Trump and you're advocating against Mexicans and you want to build a wall because you're 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 creating Mexicans you know, fear of, of Mexican people. Um, it's not racism because being a Mexican isn't a race. It's, it's bigotry because race is not playing into it. If you're Donald Trump and you're, you're trying to say, let's keep Muslims out of the country until, quote, we figure out what happens, um, end quote. And it's not racism because Islam think, isn't a race. Yeah, I, 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 think you're missing, I think you're missing a the point there because – you're looking for specifics when I think what you're actually looking at is somebody using uh, a kind of coded language to specifically say people but not say it. So when he says that, you know which group he's talking about. And when he says Islam, he's not talking about uh, converted black and white uh, Muslims for the most part. He's talking about Middle Easterners. When, he, when he's talking about that wall, who's he talking about? He's talking about not only Mexicans, but whoever else is coming from South America that he would call Latino or, or, or you know, whatever label he wants to throw on it. So, right, like but I it's said, still not a systemic race. power, so. right, but the, the systemic power of racism is one group being able to use the, the levers of power to affect another group. It's, 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 it's something that affects thousands or up to millions of people. It has the ability to do that. But bigotry, it's just that, that simple interaction of one person who's decided they don't like uh, other groups, but they don't have the power to affect them, you know, by the multitude. So, I, like I said, I think, I think the, the Africana studies definition of racism and bigotry are much better than the traditional ones we get from Webster's because these are not only the people who've actually experienced it, these are the people who've had to study it and had to figure out different ways around it because we are the ones who are actually affected by it. I, I think that definition is much better. Than the traditional one, but 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 that's also kind of my point. Whereas we're 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 changing a term um, in academia to fit a narrative, as opposed to which as opposed to just working to change the narrative and, and end the actual problem of it. So that's but that yeah, I think it's just I don't want to focus though. a lot. I don't want to focus a lot of the show on you know whether or not what is racism and what isn't racism and the differences between racism and bigotry. I mean, you know, it's. Yeah, I, I understand. The, but I, I, but I think, I think if you, if you looked at it in a different way, I would say the people affected most by something probably have a really clear picture of what it is that they have to actually navigate through. You know what I mean? Sure, like it's right? not a that, thing of, well, we're, that, cha- that, that, we're that changing a, history and we're changing the definition of a word. No, it's giving a more accurate description of something. I, I think that's what we should always look for. Well, I mean, I think we should always um, look at oppressed cultures and see how they to see how they are impacted by um, what is going on. So, like, if I'm going to be listening, you know, I'm obviously going to listen to, you know, you know, any black person over there personal history or any, you know, you know, person studying that, you know, who's lived it, who, who is studying it over somebody who, who hasn't lived it. But I don't know. It's, it's like, I think like, well, yeah, so let's say, let's say, let me just, let's take me for an example. So I'm sitting there and I'm, and I'm, and I say this and I'm not, and I'm, 
I'm taking, you know, a lot of time to point out to be careful. There's institutional racism, there's systemic racism. The only people that are going to um, the only people that are going to be affected by institutional and, and systemic racism are oppressed cultures. So as and as, as a default, you know, white people are not going to be victims of that institutional racism because by default they're the ones that are being artificially raised. So if I say that and then I say, okay, but you know, it's you know when um, a black person commits a hate crime against a white person, you know, and you know, murders him because he's white. You know, if I say, well, that's also racism, you know, I think it's kind of, to me, it's kind of jumping the shark to say, well, it's really bigotry. It's not racism, even though race played a, poor, played a, played a part in the reason why the bad person acted. So, and yeah, that's I, I get, me why. I get your point. I get your okay. point. I, my, my, my focus in, in saying what I'm saying is, I think my definition of what I'm trying to say is what's actually going on. I think what you're talking about is a hypothetical situation that is so minute and barely ever happens that when you describe that one in the same fashion, that it not only devalues the other, but it confuses the issue. I think when you give it two separate definitions and you look at it through those lenses, I think people can get a better understanding of it. I think that way uh, that you're describing, I think it just muddies the waters. But honestly, man, nobody has a, a you know a monopoly on the truth. So just because somebody's black doesn't mean they're going to be really good at analyzing race. Hence, Chris Rock, who's said <laughs> some deplorable things during his career as a comedian okay, that were sure. funny. If you looked at it, you know, you're just in a comedy club. It's just something that's funny. But if you're looking at it from a societal view of kind of analyzing, you know, the culture and and where you live, uh, it, it's horrible analysis. But you know, he's a comedian. So you know what I mean? I don't I don't expect much from him. But I, like I said, what you're talking about tonight though, like you said you want to jump through uh, all of the different ones. But yeah, it, it becomes a situation where people can't have conversations because everybody's looking for where the landmines are and they're tailoring their conversation to uh not only not not offend, but to make sure that they always have the upper hand. So it becomes a a kind of gamesmanship of, well, look at that. You're not intersectional. You you weren't, uh, you know what I mean, da 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 and, and because of that, it becomes a situation where people, to be open, people lie. It becomes a situation mm-hmm. where people just end up having conversations and they're lying through their teeth. They're not saying what they actually think or wh- where they logically would go next because they're worried about the landmines. Okay, well, just, just to, to... – I want to, I do want to move on to the to the main issue of discussion that I want to discuss, which is the whole splaining or noun splaining. Um, but I did want to bring up that you know looked up the FBI crime stats for 2014 on hate crimes, and you know 62.7 percent of the people who are victims of hate crimes were the offenders had an anti-black or African anti-African American bias, but 22.7 percent were victims of, who had an anti-white bias. So while absolutely a much larger percentage of people who were victims of hate crimes in 2014 were were black, and that's that's the uh, that's a super majority of people who were victims are black. 22.7 percent is is not a small minute number either. So there is a right, a right, but 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 hold on, you're only using one category, and that's what I'm trying to get at. So then we start talking about the housing. We start talking about the health care. We start talking about uh, how people are actually cheated out of their homes and redlining well, the but other that, areas. That's systemic. And, and, that's the systemic racism. You see what that's I mean? That's not the individual racism. Right. That, that's, exactly. that's, to me, that, that's systemic racism. Systemic racism is completely against oppressed cultures. But individual racism, to me, is, is what I'm saying, is that individual racism can be against anybody, regardless. A fifth of people in 2014 who were victims of hate crime were white. So to me, yeah. it says yeah. that and, you can and I be. Think it's, I think it's, yeah, but I think it's beyond the pale to live in a situation where you admittedly understand that there's systemic things going on like this and not expect for there to be some blowback in the sense of someone who not only can't understand or know what's going on, but is just being affected by it and lashing out. Oh, like I know the idea. I, I said, I, I said <laughs> like that the idea did, that there wouldn't be. Like, did you, did you hear mean, my pendulum thing that I talked about? Yeah. Okay. The the, the pendulum thing. Well, the, to me, that that 
when the pendulum swings back naturally from gra- from the gravity of the situation, be it a literal pendulum or uh, this uh, uh, hypothetical pendulum, you know, discussing on on race relations, for example, you know, gravity will naturally pull that pendulum to a certain point. That's absolutely a, a natural blowback that's going to happen, and, and I'm not criticizing that. I'm criticizing what pulls it back and artificially may even more the other way. So, but. Right, the main right. Thing but, is, but the fact that you, you you realize that the pendulum exists, and then you you say, okay, well, this is going on too. Well, it's like, look, man, if if you're operating in that fashion, uh, like I don't know, man, it, this is <laughs> this is hard to explain. Just because, like, to me, it seems obvious. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it seems obvious. Like, man, if you're actually doing this to people, yes, there there are going to be some some collateral damage if we want to use a ridiculous, you know, Orwellian word. Uh, you know, in other people. And the sad thing is the people who actually construct this and, and make this this uh, country operate in the way that it does don't care about those people who they consider collateral damage. So uh, the, the story in Flint right now where we see basically genocide going on in America, there's some right. poor white counties where that same thing is going on. We just haven't discovered them yet. But it's going on somewhere in one of these poor uh, white areas, and when it does come out, there's going to be action and, you know, something's going to be done about it. But, like I said, the, the idea of racism and these people who do these things to, uh, you know, different other group, non-white groups, there are white people right now who don't know that they're not white anymore. Because, as you know, race has always been a thing that the, the line can be moved. You know what I mean? The Irish right. weren't, now they are. The Italians right. weren't, now they are. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a fascinating thing. Okay. But yeah, I mean, I, I, no, we agree on like 95% of what we're, of, or even more of, of, I think what we're talking about. I mean, we're just kind of at this point arguing over the, the little bit that we, that we disagree on. So, but you know, the main thing that I wanted to talk about in the show um, was the whole noun splaining thing, where, um, where I'm sure you've heard of mansplaining and, and all the other types of taking a noun, throwing it in front of a, uh, a a shortened version of explaining and then it makes it a negative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so to me, and I've discussed this on the show previously, like probably years ago. Um, but you know, there's nothing inherently bad about being a man. It, it, it doesn't inherently make you a bad person. There are terrible men. You know, there's nothing inherently bad about being a white person. There are terrible white people, though. There's nothing inherently bad about being a Jew. And it's in, but there are some really bad Jew people, Jewish people. Uh, Bernie Madoff is an example of a horrible Jew. Um, <laughs> Man, so, if somebody cut out that clip, you would sound like the most <laughs> anti Semitic person ever. And I'm Jewish. I was raised Jewish, so there you go. I, I know, um, I know. I'm just yeah. talking about just the part, the part of I know. the part of a bad Jew. You know, that's a bad Jew. That's a bad Jew. As a side note, I'll be a basketball game. You know what else? But you know what else comes into effect in this? In this, there's a lot of intellectual bullying going on. Based on, there's a lot of people who spend a lot of time on social media, who've gone to college, gotten degrees, or you know, close to it who've learned different terms, learned different things, thought out things in, in, you know, different, you know, conceptual forms. And they're arguing with people on Facebook and, and Twitter who have a high school diploma, who aren't, you know, really lucky. well nuanced <laughs> on some of these topics. And they, they, they look for that person to say something problematic, and then they just beat them up for, you know, 20, 20 minutes. And then, they, you know, retweet it, show other people, and they come in and beat them up. And, it, it, it's it's a I don't know there's a lot of, there's a there's a class angle to this and and there's an intellectual angle to this because a lot of people are using what they learned as a way of a kind of a brickbat you know what I mean but, well and, then, and well there's that and then there's to me it's like they're they're like I've had a discussion with a, with a friend of mine or a friend of mine's wife um, and I think she would probably be labeled as a third wave feminist. Um, and um, that there are waves of feminists. I mean, it's probably going, anybody listening who doesn't know that is probably just going way over their heads already. Um, but, you know, like when I was having a conversation with her one time, it was, it was 
it was pretty much like she was like arguing from the textbook. Like I was, I, I, I basically had every response planned out to what she was going to say because I knew what she, how she was going to respond to what I said. So it was, it was to me, it's like, you know, we shouldn't be programming people to be robots to, to say all of these, you know, buzzwords and jargon that there should be meaning behind it. But, you know, one of the things, the thing that spawned, like I, I went on a Facebook rant about this the other day because I happened to see a meme that was talking about like, um, what is it? Um, where, where does mansplaining come from? And the punchline was from the well, actually, because that's the stereotypical way that supposed mansplainers start off every piece of mansplaining is that they start off, well, actually, blah, 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 blah. So um, because they're trying to, you know, tell um, the woman or or it's a white person trying to tell the black person, assuming that the black person doesn't know any better because, you know, obviously the black person can't know any better according to the racist or the the woman can't know any better to the misogynist or um, the non-Jew might not know better. I don't know. Well, this is the thing. So I saw this. I saw this joke online about mansplaining, and it bugs me when people use the word. It just bugs me because, again, there shouldn't be anything. If you're trying to combat a sexist behavior, it, you may not be get get far enough in where you want to go by taking something, a word, man, and using it to be a negative modifier to another word and make it a neg- to describe a negative thing that's going on. And, and so I was like, I wonder if anybody's ever used the term juice-planning before. And I'm like, well, let's go to Twitter. I went to Twitter to, I probably shouldn't have, I probably should have known better. I went to Twitter, there it was, juice-planning. There wasn't even just one tweet where someone ha- happened to use it. It was, there was tweet after tweet after tweet of people using the term juice planning and I'm like how and especially you know how is this not anti-semitic how are people not saying that this is not anti-semitic because you know because you're using the term Jew and you're making it into a negative it's just like you know I know some Jewish people who don't like the term Jew in and of itself and I, I disagree with them because to be to them anybody who says it is using it because of the negative connotation I mean, it's not like they're using the word kike, which is absolutely horrible. Um, of course, it's not as bad as the N-word, because according to, I forget which, who the comedian is, but I could, I'll say kike, but I won't say the N-word. Um, and so, but to me, if it's like, if someone was like, oh, the Jews, you know, he's, he's a Jew. You know, to me, that's not, that's just, you know, somebody casually saying something, not even, you know, meaning anything, but if the person's like, Oh, he's a Jew? Like that, like that. I've had that happen to me before with an ex-girlfriend of mine. They were, um, her family were talking to some people at her church, and they're like, you're dating a Jew? And I was like, really? Well, screw you too. (laughs) I knew who it was as well. He's a Jew? I could talk to you again. But, you know, but when you're assigning this, Jew-splaining, you know, when you're trying to say that, you know, this is a person who's being condescending talking down to non-Jews about this particular issue, you know, to me, that, that has to be anti-Semitic. And if that's anti-Semitic, then mansplaining's got to be sexist. So I went ahead and decided to post about it on Facebook first, because I wanted to get people's responses back in, because I wanted to see what potential, you know, kickback I could get back on, I might get on the show, about these things. Um, and the first thing I got was another Jewish friend of mine saying, now you're just being Ashkenormative. And uh, for those who don't know, um, there's Ashkenazi Jews and Sephardic Jews. Ashkenazi Jews are the more Europeans. Sephardic Jews are the more Mediterranean, Middle Eastern Jews. And if you're in America, it, there's sort of an Ashkenazi bias. So Ashkenormative is kind of like heteronormative. Um, you know, where everyone's assuming that assuming that your experiences are going to be an Ashkenazi way versus a Sephardic way, just like people assume heterosexuality when that's not always the case. 
But I never knew that the term Ashkenormative was a word, so I learned something new that day. Um, but, you know, somebody was like, I'm guilty of using the term. I don't really want to stop using it. I feel like it needs to be said because of sexism. Um, you know, and I'm like, well, I responded back, well, I think it's sexist in and of itself. Um, you know, because to me, English has words that can be used to describe somebody as condescending and sexist. And those words are condescending and sexist. So there's no need to make up a new word to describe somebody who's being condescending and sexist. You probably just just shorten it and just call him an ass. But if they want to go into more detail as to why he's being an ass, you can say it's condescending and sexist. Um, so telling a condescending asshole stop being a condescending asshole would be a reasonable way to show your displeasure without using that asshole's gender as a negative. Uh, there are a lot of crappy men, a lot of crappy women. There are a lot of crappy people in general, and we can point out how crappy they are without being crappy ourselves. Um, someone else responded, you know, I can only speak to mansplaining because ne- she never heard of juice planning. And she's like, until men cut it out, I will continue to point it out. And my response um, was, again, that I don't, I'm not trying to criticize people for pointing out condescending sexist people or condescending racist people or even condescending Jews. Um, you know, if somebody's being condescending to you and you think it's wrong, by all means, point it out. But not always is pointing out to me are good or even helpful. I actually got somebody who uses the term to actually agree with me on the point. So maybe I actually converted somebody. And then the only person who insisted on disagreeing with me was the other the guy in the conversation because he was like, I agree with you on, on juice planning and white splitting, but I don't agree with you on mansplaining. And I'm like, really? And so but my last word in that comment was basically, if there's nothing inherently wrong with being a male, then the word man should not be used to make a word explain negative. Um, to me, that's, that, that, to me, it makes sense. To me, it, 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 I don't understand. Like, I kind of find the term hypocritical if we're trying to, because to me, feminism is not just protecting women or, or making it better for women. It's, it's feminism is making people equal based on gender. So, you know, when feminism gets their way, for example, the problems that men have in the custody and child support system should go away because people will be seen as equal providers until we don't, until that point, um, society will continue to treat women as if, as they are the child raisers and men as the breadwinners and are going to consistently put that um, continue on perpetuate that those gender roles that should not be perpetuated or um, continued on into the future. So, so yeah, I, I mean, yeah, yeah. This, this is really interesting because I, I can see where you're, you're poking holes in it and saying like you know at a certain point this kind of becomes hypocritical, but. I, I guess the the language that people decide to use, no matter what, it, it's their language that they're deciding to use. So at a certain point, does this stop conversation? Uh, probably, but I think in some instances, uh, that's what they would prefer. Uh, they feel like sometimes it's not worth the energy of trying to talk to somebody who's not only so far gone in, you know, whatever, uh, you know, uh, male superiority ideas they have or whatever, that is not worth going into the conversation with them. So I, it's kind of a way of dismissing them and also kind of getting a little, you know, a cutting little remark in. So hey, I, I can see it being part of that, but I understand what you're saying in that no matter what, if if you put that out there and you're talking to somebody who's not on that level, then you stop the conversation and kind of group them in with the, 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 peop- the group of Neanderthals. So it's, right. it's a, it's it's a way of, of stopping things, but at the same time, like I said, man, hey, some people feel like that kind of forceful language is necessary because they just don't want to spend the time walking around teaching people or trying to assess where somebody is and, and getting to it. So they'll just throw that out there. Up, oh, this person is man. Look, there are a lot of people in America who are very limited on topics who will lecture the hell out of somebody not knowing that person knows way more about the topic than they do. Like that's sure, absolutely. And it's definitely true. You know what I mean? This is not a you know mutually exclusive thing. Like, both sides of this are true. So it's, I don't know, man. That's an interesting thing because 
I've had situations where I, I've uh, argued with women on Twitter, and it becomes a thing of, oh, okay, after they talk to you for a while, they realize, oh, okay, you're not one of those guys. But right. it took a whole lot of conversation that probably wasn't needed just be- because of the degree of how it started off. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like damn, we can't start off at a 10 and, right. and then get somewhere workable, but I, yeah, I don't know, I, man. I, any, I, I, I think any oppressed group it, deserves it, the language they choose, though. I, I do have to say that. I, I do think they deserve the language they choose. Yeah, but, you know, I guess the, 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 the switch of that is that, you know, I mean, I'm not telling people that they can't say mansplaining. I'm just saying, or they can't use words. I mean, I'm not the arbiter of vocabulary by any shape of imagination, yeah. but I, I just think that if they they choose to use those words, because every time you use a word, there's I have even told people, you know, the, the white people that are like, what? And I'll be like, well, you know what? You can use the N-word whenever you want. It's, no one's stopping you from using it. You're just going to get some back from people if you're using it in a way that pisses off people. And typically, white people saying the word in general off people. So you say all you want, but you're not going to have a good result after the end of it. So... Um, it's words have consequences, man. I mean, yeah, that's, that's yeah, the reality I mean, of words. Freedom, words of, freedom of speech does not mean freedom of, of freedom, freedom from consequences of that speech. You you say something horrible and you lose your job. Guess what? You know your your employer is not under any requirement to keep you hired. Um, <laughs> if he looks at what you say and thinks it might hurt his business, for example. So, yeah, and you know what the weirdest thing about that is. Political correctness is basically a business language. It's a language created by business to stop people from not only putting their business in a bad light, but to protect them from saying something that will get them fired. And people are actually thinking like this is a societal thing, and that their their language is being you know restricted, and they're being stopped. And you just look at them and you just wonder like, you really don't get it that that company just doesn't want to sanction, uh, you know. The, the, right. the speeches from you, unqualified person to speak about certain things on their brand name. Like, that's right. the purpose of it. So when you mess up, they get you out of there and put somebody else in there because you obviously weren't smart enough, you know, not to think it through. Their free speech is being limited. I'm going to steal that from you because that's, that's a pretty darn good explanation as to why, you know, quote, PC language exists. It's it, it, it's because of business. It's just people want to protect their business, and and they don't want that. You know, you have you want to act in a way that's not going to harm your own business or going to harm your employer's business. So, I mean, that's that, that's that's a that's a pretty good way to explain it. I, I'm I'm I'll definitely give you credit on that one. I definitely have to steal it. But yeah. and and then the other side of it is the sensitivity of these people because they call everybody else sensitive and can't take words and this and that. And I'm just sitting there listening to them. I'm like, do you realize some of the black coworkers you work with have a lot of things they wish to say to you that they can't say? Like, you think black yeah. people walking around here just speaking our minds? Man, please. Or the, or the uh, people the, that, the, that the, love the, Donald the Trump because he can say whatever it is he wants to say or he says the things that they want to right. say. But when you call them a racist, they're like, oh, how dare you call me that? Well, didn't you just admire somebody for saying whatever it is they want to say? I felt like calling you a racist. Admire me, too. Right, and then they're like, nope, nope, nope. That's the ultimate. That's the ultimate. Uh, you know, red mark. You can you calling me a racist, and you don't even You're know. Me. You know, they'll they'll just they'll go off on you at at that point. You're just looking at them like, dude, it's it's really not that complicated. And no, not at all. You claiming everybody else is sensitive, but you can't take you know any shots uh, to to your own. So I I, I don't get it, man. It's we're in a weird place. It's a weird place right now. Absolutely. And well, look, I'm going to go ahead and end this for now. I really appreciate you calling in. It was a great conversation about the topic. Um, I you know, definitely keep calling back in. Um, I'm going to be, you know, this is, you know, the whole idea of Jump the Shark activism is, I think, one thing that I'm going to be doing in the show. Um, you know, of course, when I'm, you know, most of the rest of this year will probably be spent on election issues. But, you know, when I see a jump to shark, I might switch things up a little bit whenever I see 
whole idea of jump shock activism. But look, if, if you ever see anything too, then you know, you know, let me know. You know, you know, I, I definitely want to see if you know if other people are seeing examples of this. So just you know, I want to start making you know more posts about you know all sorts of things and more videos about all sorts of things, including this kind of thing. Because even you know, I, I think it this topic created a, a good, I think what forty minutes of conversation between you and I. Um, and just having the conversation was a, was, was was a good thing. And if it could spark conversation, that's what I want to do at the end of the day with the show is to spark good conversation. So with that, thank you very much uh, for calling in. I'll be back next week. I appreciate it. Um, and before I go ahead and hit the um, final um, show music, I do want to just go ahead and remind everybody um, I have gone ahead and um, I've put, started putting some more content on some of my other sites that I'm doing. There's the Nerdy Dan website that I have. There's the Rideshare Dan website that I have as well. Both of those have new content. Rideshare Dan has links for both new rider credits and for driving bonuses. If you want to sign up to drive um, in particular cities, both Uber and Lyft are offering um, new rider, new driver credits uh, for people. Uh, so you can go ahead and actually use those and um, start making a little extra money for yourself if it's the right thing for you. Um, and I also get um, money on the side as well uh, from, from referring both drivers and riders to the show. And I also, you know, have some tips on there. You know, I've, I've added tips on whether or not you should um, tip your driver uh, if you're doing ride sharing. I have um, on nerdydan.com, I have a, I have um, something that I'm, you know, another idea that I'm launching is the whole idea of what shows are going to get insta-canceled in the fall. Um, that's going to be a, a new thing that I'm going to be doing. Uh, looking at all the shows coming in, I've already predicted uh, one show that's going to be insta-canceled and one show that should probably last um, because of the reasons I stayed on my blog. So if you want to hear more about that, please feel free to go to nerdydan.com. Um, I'm also going to be publishing uh, YouTube videos for both, for both of those websites as well. Um, finally, it's the end of uh, Liberal Day and Radio for this week. Um, we had a great conversation. Please join us every week, 8 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. If for some reason I'm not going to be on for the week, you can always follow me at Liberal Day and Radio on Twitter, uh, facebook.com slash Liberal Day and over at liberaldan.com. Until next week, this is Dan Zimmerman with Liberal Day and Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. Thank you.